Welcome to UO Today. I'm Paul Peppis, Director of the Oregon Humanities Center. My guest today is Michael Schill, President of the University of Oregon. This is the third time you're coming on the show. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Feels like I'm a veteran. Oh, you are. You're a regular. So um, I spoke with you before your first year. I spoke with you before your second year. I'm now speaking with you before your third year. What are the major accomplishments of your second year as president that you'd like to celebrate with us? So I think it's anyone would say uh, probably that the Knight campus announcement uh, was uh, the, a very big accomplishment. Uh, the, but again, when we say accomplishment, I want to really preface this by saying everything that I do is a group effort uh, and, and normally it involves lots of faculty and lots of administrators. Uh, helping out and making something happen. So the Knight Campus is a perfect example of that. The idea came from faculty, uh, wouldn't have happened without an enormously generous alumnus and his, wa and his wife, Penny. And so it's really, uh, but it's going to be amazing for the university. So I would say that's one accomplishment. Uh, last year, I think we really moved forward in working with our Black Student Task Force on a number of different initiatives, including recruiting more students. We doubled the number of African-American faculty members at the university. We made plans for a black cultural center. Uh, we have done just a number of things. We renamed Dunn Hall to Unthank Hall. So we really made wonderful progress. And then if it, when I think about the last two years, hard to sort of say just one year, mm -hmm. It's, we've really reestablished a new cohort of leadership here at the university. I mean, it's really sort of staggering. Uh, you know, we have hired over the past couple of years, really one and a half years, five new deans. Um, we've hired three new vice presidents, a great provost, um, and we've this year we're going to be hiring four new deans. So, pretty soon. Uh, Randy Camphouse is going to be our, our senior dean, and you know he's pretty new. <laughs> this is his so, third year, fourth year. I yeah, so he's going to. This year is his fourth year. So really, we have a new leadership group, and they are terrific, and very importantly, they're hungry, and they're they're excited about moving forward and moving the university forward. So I think that's been a, a, a wonderful accomplishment. And again, not my accomplishment, our accomplishment. So I'm going to back you up and unpack some sure. of these accomplishments. So let's talk first about the Knight Campus for Accelerating Scientific Impact. Why is that such an important uh, accomplishment? Why is, why is the presence of that campus such a, an important thing for the future of the university? So it's incredibly important, partly because our faculty in the, in the we have really great faculty in the basic sciences, but they something's missing here, and, and they feel something missing, which is the opportunity to move forward with their scientific discoveries to have an impact on the world. And you know, obviously, one impact that we have, which all of us have here at the university who are scholars, is we write things and we move knowledge forward, and that's incredibly important. But many folks, particularly in the sciences, want to see the work that they're doing become used in cures and new types of materials and helping the environment. And we didn't have that capacity for historical reasons. And so we were missing an engineering school, missing a medical school, so we didn't have applied sciences. So the Knight Campus is going to bring ultimately 30 new faculty to our campus, hundreds of graduate students focused 
on applied science and impact and entrepreneurialism. Um, and so it's going to have a tremendous impact on Eugene and on the state uh, in terms of the economy of the state and breathing new life into our tech, cent our, our tech world. And so it's just really exciting on every dynamic. Can you give us a little update on two, two aspects of it? Um, construction yep. and the uh, search for a director. Right, so we have a, a search committee right now uh, that's been impaneled, Patrick Phillips, who is the interim director of the Knight Campus is chairing that. Mm -hmm. And Patrick, I have to say, is a dream. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he can do everything. He can walk, talk, chew gum, and you know, be on a unicycle. I mean, he's just tremendous. And so we have a number of candidates uh, who are expressed interest, and we're, we want to get it exactly right. We want to have someone who is a wonderful academic, who can fit within the culture of the University of Oregon, but not too comfortably, because part of what the Knight Campus is all about is changing how we do business at the university, really showing that we can, um, we can make sure that what we want to have happen gets executed. And that relates to the building. Mm -hmm. uh, so the building is going at breakneck, breakneck speed. Uh, I've, I've uh, seen drawings of it. Uh, we're going to be have final drawings in the not too distant future. I've done a um, uh, an art like an artificial reality virtual reality, virtual reality uh, headset I put on, and I've seen myself in the building, and you know it gives you a little bit of nausea. But the because you're moving around, you're all of a sudden at the tip of a of a floor and falling outside, but it's really exciting. And, and this is going to be a unique building. And, it's, and importantly, it's going to have shared facilities that are not going to just be facilities for the night campus, but that are going to be utilized by the basic sciences here. Because the idea is, right, we're building a bridge, literally and figuratively, mm -hmm. between the campus south of Franklin and the campus north of Franklin. And what's the uh, groundbreaking fantasy time? So we're, we're thinking we're going to get into construction in, in uh, the beginning of next year. And what about the fantasy uh, time to hire the director? Uh, fantasy time, it's, it's actually not a fantasy. We're hoping to hire a, a new director by the end of the winter. OK. So um, I'm sure you get and I know that the scientists who are involved have gotten this question. I'm going to ask you this sure. question. So, uh, are are there going to be opportunities for humanists and social scientists to engage with the interdisciplinary research that's happening? On the I think campus? they are. Uh, I think there's going to be tons of opportunities, and I've I've seen a lot of excitement. I mean, the, the Knight campus has generated excitement throughout the university, and people thinking about ways to connect to the university. And we already know of. I don't want to. I want to be very careful not to steal the thunder of my deans uh, who have ideas about how they want to do this. And you know, what we're not going to do is do a top-down process where I'm going to say, or mm -hmm. Giant is mm -hmm. going to say, this is how the humanities are going to connect, this is how the social sciences are going to connect. Mm -hmm. But what I do see is percolating from the faculty ideas, which is really where every good idea in a university starts, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't start with the president. It starts with the faculty, and then the president is the way of executing uh, the idea. The president and the provost make it possible. And so I think there's, there's tons of ways. Like take, for example, Patrick recently gave a talk about aging and how with 
modern science, we may be able to extend people's lives out 10, 20, 50 more years. But philosophy's got to tell us, is that a good idea? Mm -hmm. uh, what are the consequences of that? How do we think about it in a planet of limited resources? So, you know, that's the sort of thing, that, that deep questioning, that critical thinking. It's not that scientists don't do that sort of thinking, but that's the strong point of social science uh, experts as well as humanists. So university leadership recently held a summit with leaders from uh, OHSU, Oregon Health Sciences University. Mm -hmm. Both institutions received unprecedented gifts from the Knight family. Um, and and the, obviously that's the medical school in the state of Oregon. Sure. So what, Used what are- Used to be part of us. I, I'm aware. So what are some of the ways you hope that the U of O and OHSU will collaborate in the Knight? Campus. So I'm super excited about building a bridge between uh, the Knight Campus and the, the Knight Cancer Center as well as OHSU. Uh, Joe Robertson, the president of uh, OHSU, and I talk all the time. He's a duck, so we see each other at tailgates. And tail he was gates. present at the announcement of the gift. Yes, he was president, uh, president at the gift. He's also on my search committee. So we have developed a, a strong relationship. Brian Drucker of the Knight Cancer Center is on the search committee for the new director. Uh, here's an example of the interest in bringing the two together uh, on research activities as well as teaching. Uh, Patrick scheduled a meeting of some of the researchers uh, in, in both places to talk about possible collaboration. I think we thought we'd have about 15, 20 people. There were 80 people. We had to say no to people because one of the things the Knight the OHSU is not a complete university, and we don't have a medical school. So there's this wonderful fitting of the puzzle, uh, that the pieces are fitting together. And so I, I just think there's endless opportunities for us to work together, to have joint research projects. And again, this is something Joe and I can establish the ground rules, create incentives, but it's up to the faculty to make this work. And so if we were pushing uphill, it wouldn't work. But what we see is the faculty are really excited and, and have been waiting for this opportunity. So let's talk a little bit about these recent administrative hires. Sure. So, so talk about the, the major hires that you did that were um, succeeded last year and then tell us about who's yet to come. Sure, so uh, this, this past year we hired uh, Sarah Nutter from George Mason as the dean of the business school and Marcelin Burke as the dean of the law school. And they're just terrific. Uh, and they're, they're excited, they're moving, they're, they're, Marcelin just began uh, in July, so uh, she's sort of learning, you know, where, which is, which butte is which. Uh, and, and but, but, but her faculty love her and I'm very excited about the future direction for the law school. Sierra's been on since January and she's been meeting alumni, trying to you know, link up Portland with, uh, with Eugene in terms of the business school uh, and, and inspiring her faculty to move forward. So I, those two were, were fabulous hires, as were the other three deans, Juan Carlos Maleda uh, at the uh, School of Journalism and Communication, uh, in, in Christoph Linder at the um, School of Design. The College of Design. College of Design, okay, get that mixed up. <laughs> but it's design, it's not triple, not triple A uh -huh. uh, anymore. And then Andrew Marcus, 
uh, who was uh, the interim dean and now the dean of CAS, which of course is about 70% of the university. Mm -hmm. So it's like he has, he's like, he's dean, but he's almost like president of another university. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and so they're all moving forward. Andrew is very, very uh, excited about Tyson, which is going, which is the new building for career services and advising, which is going to go uh, right next to my office. Uh, very excited about watching it go up <laughs> and listening to it go mm -hmm. up. Uh, and the uh, and uh, you know the the School of Journalism is is moving forward with with Media Studies program, and Christoph is doing a number of different things in the design school, including building PPM and uh, doing some wonderful things in Portland. So it's really an exciting time. Uh, you know, we've brought in a lot of people to the university who have strong ideas and are great at mobilizing people to move forward. So you didn't tell us about the new provost, Giant Benefar. Tell us about How that. How could I have left off Giant? Yeah, okay, yeah. I always do that because, <laughs> you know, we spend so much time together, he doesn't feel new anymore. Uh, so Giant is amazing. Uh, I think uh, he, he is charming people right and left, uh, and he has wonderful academic values. He and I see things exactly the same. Uh, our styles are somewhat different. Uh, he was the unanimous pick of a search committee that was chaired by uh, Jerry Richmond, and it was the most amazing search committee. Everybody coalesced. I think you you might have even been I involved. I was on that committee. The, uh, and you, you know, it was just, I don't know if you've ever had that experience before. Um, and so, you know, Giant is, uh, one of the things I love about Giant is he, on his, you know, without even hearing me, He's latched on to this theme of excellence and this theme of we want the university to be better and better and better while appreciating the fact that we have great faculty that are here now. Uh, but, but that any great university, in order to be great, needs to get better and better and better. And he's going to be very strong in terms of holding the various deans accountable. Um, he's going to be running the, the institutional hiring plan. And, you know, within a week of him getting here, he was already recruiting faculty. So just what we need. So um, who are the deans that are yet to be hired? So we have four, I mean, and, and four new deans that we're hiring. Undergraduate studies, mm -hmm. graduate studies, mm -hmm. uh, school of music and dance, and we've got one the more. The Honors College. The Honors College. So uh, that, that one just came open. And so we're gonna do searches for all of those, and they're all important parts of the university. And uh, with that, we will have you know, pretty much a, a new team. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and, and, and it's exciting. Is there, is there a bit, do, you, do you sense a bit of whiplash? Uh, uh, it's, it's, I've, I've been having whiplash for the past four or five years. <laughs> So um, you mentioned in Hopefully passing, not more of that uh, whiplash. I hope not. Because you realize I've already, um, the, my average tenure, the, my tenure as president has already exceeded uh, the average tenure of presidents of the University of yes, Oregon. Yes, and let's make it go longer. Thank you. Um, you mentioned just in passing that uh, Giants is going to oversee the institutional hiring plan. Yes. What is the institutional hiring plan? So the institutional hiring plan is a, ch a major change that we made last year, and this was uh, driven by Scott Coltrane. Um, and the idea was what we saw in the various schools was partly because we, the, we now have a CBA 
uh, and and faculty salaries are out of the control of the facul of the deans, which they normally normally that's where the faculties are de uh, the faculty salaries are determined. Plus the desire to be able to move the university towards certain strategic objectives, we needed more centralized coordination of and some level of control over where faculty were being hired, and. Because uh, it wasn't fair to the various schools to say, okay, you've got your faculty, we negotiate centrally an increase with the union, and you've got to pay for it. So what we did is we said to the various deans and the various schools, look, we will pay for all tenure-track faculty. But at the same time, it means that each school doesn't own the faculty, and instead when someone retires, as you know in academics, typically what we do is we replace that person with exactly this, uh, a, a more a younger version of that person, and that's not where academics is heading. What we need to do is be thinking out into the future. We have to be thinking where do the students want to take courses? What are the interesting research ideas that are interdisciplinary? And so, what now we have is every year the deans consult with their faculties and propose a set of faculty searches. Uh, then what happens is they submit that to Giant. Giant discusses that because obviously there will be more more requests than there are slots available. He t discusses that with them. He also discusses those ideas with a faculty committee, which includes some of our very best and brightest faculty, and then goes presents a, a ranked order list, talks with the deans about it, and that becomes the um, the faculty hiring uh, plan. And you know, we're this is our first year with it. We have, I believe, 62 searches that we've approved throughout the entire university. Uh, I think about 30% are in the humanities and social sciences. About another 30% are in the natural sciences. And then every unit on campus has at least one or two searches uh, that are ongoing. And my hope is it's going to lead to interdisciplinarity because instead of someone saying, well. If you want someone in my unit to teach in your unit in a different college, you have to pay me. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. The university's paying the person. If a faculty member wants to teach in more than one unit and we can do it, then we should be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're well aware that one of the things that has happened in the academy in the past 25 years is this um, rise in the number of non-tenure line faculty. So does the plan address the balance between tenure-track faculty and non-tenure-track faculty? No. Uh, so the, with the, the hiring of non-tenure-track faculty remains a decision of the deans. The mm -hmm. deans will have a certain budget. Every year it will get adjusted that they can use to hire non-tenured faculty. But the institutional hiring plan is just for tenure-track faculty. And so really won't uh, address the balance in any way uh, other than the fact that we, as you know, we are increasing the number of tenure-track faculty partly because we are excited about increasing our research at the University of Oregon mm -hmm. and the tenure-track faculty are not exclusively the people that do research on campus but um, the faculty that, that are, have that as part of their stated mission uh, in almost every instance. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned um, 
at the beginning of our conversation, the progress that's been made around the uh, uh, the demands of the black student yeah. uh, students. So you 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 are, have as an institutional priority providing an inclusive and diverse environment on campus. You've begun to tell us about the progress that you've made in that regard. Are there any other aspects of that progress that you'd like to share? So yes. Yeah, so in addition to the things we've done with regard to the Black Student Task Force, we also have. Uh, worked, we are working right now with every unit on campus has provided a diversity action plan. And the idea is to get the various deans, the various administrative units to look at the ideal plan, which is our university-wide diversity plan, figure out how they can plug into it, and then say what they want to do, what they think they can do, and then have us hold them accountable for that. Mm -hmm. Too often what we see is people, you know, in, in, in the area of diversity, people write these flowing statements and all sorts of things, and then nothing happens on the ground. It's hard. And so what we want to do is every year as we uh, do our evaluations of deans and administrators, we sort of say, okay, you said you were going to do this. Did you do it? If you didn't do it, why? If you and if you did do it, great. What are you going to do next year for us? And the idea being, and then also to think about if we know that eight units want to have training in a particular area of diversity, we should do it centrally, right? We shouldn't reinvent the wheel. We can achieve economies of scale. So I'm excited about that, and we're working on that right now. And another thing that we want to do is we made tremendous progress with our Black Student Task Force, and we're going to continue to work with them. I want to reach out to other groups on campus and work with them to hear what their aspirations are, what their needs and desires are, and work with them too. Um, you know, it, it became, you know, you have to sort of pace yourself uh, as you do this work, but it's not just our uh, black students who have needs and desires. Mm -hmm. So, um, in light of recent events at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, where do you come out on the weighing the exercise of free speech and campus safety? So, you know, it, it, it's a, a really, really tough issue uh, because, number one, you have two goals which, they're not tradable, right? Freedom of speech is our religion. We, we shouldn't exist if we didn't believe in freedom of speech. And this is a challenge for us at universities. There was just a, a survey that came out at the Brookings Institute, and I actually wrote down a number, which is a little shocking, uh, that... Uh, 51% of students, not at the University of Oregon, but all over the country, think it's okay to disrupt a speaker that they find offensive. 19% think it's okay to use violence. Okay, totally, totally unacceptable. If you don't like speech, the antidote, like Brand, Justice Brandeis said, is more speech. At the same time, what we're seeing is an unprecedented period in our history where the right and the left are using universities as pawns mm -hmm. in their culture wars. Mm -hmm. And that's unacceptable too. So we have an obligation, we have a desire to uh, protect free speech and to allow free speech, but we also have a responsibility to protect the safety of our students and our faculty and community and our staff. So that's going to be balanced, obviously, on a case-by-case -case basis. But, uh, you know, what I really am appealing to is at least our students in our community that they understand that just because you don't like what someone says, the answer is not to shout them down. The answer is not 
to use violence or stop them, the answer is to talk yourself and say to people why they're wrong. Um, there's so many. <laughs> I'm sorry, I get very excited yes. about that so, one. Um, we probably have about four minutes left. I have too many questions, but let's talk now about the Trump administration's move to end deferred action for childhood arrivals, also known as DACA. I get excited about that one, Yeah, too. I know. So what impact will that decision have on the UVA? Well, we're hopeful that he's going to cut a deal with, uh, you know, what's it, Charles? Chuck, Chuck uh, and Nancy. Ch Chuck and Nancy. Uh, the, and that we'll see this. I mean, this is just craziness, right? You, to, to end DACA. DACA. These are the people you want as citizens, right? They, they. Number one, they, they didn't even come to the United States or break any law knowingly. They brought here by their parents. They've played by all the rules. They want to go to college. They want to make a life. And and you know something? We need them. We need immigration in this country. My, all four of my grandparents were immigrants. Uh, and and you know. I think they did a pretty good job here, <laughs> and the you know even if they don't have a great grandson. Uh, but the idea is, immigrants make our country strong. DACA, we need to keep our students here. It's the moral thing to do. It's the smart thing to do. Um, we have two minutes left. Um, in May, you approved the student sexual and gender-based harassment and violence complaint and response policy. How does that policy change the university's approach to sexual assault? So, boy, I get a whole two minutes. So <laughs> it's a very complicated policy. Everyone should read it. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is uh, the Senate worked with us. Uh, Merle Weiner was, was very, very involved in the, uh, as chair of the group. It is a policy that splits us up into three categories. There's a category student-centered, uh, student-directed folks. Uh, you're probably student-directed, mm -hmm. meaning that if a student comes to you, the vast majority of faculty, you have to, you, you need to follow what the student wants. You don't, you're not a mandatory reporter mm -hmm. of sexual violence. You need to connect them up with services. People who are administrators like me, uh, a, a group of them that are identified, we're mandatory reporters. If a student comes to us, we have to report. And then there's a group of confidential reporters who are people the students can go to and have a legal privilege that they won't report. And so that's the new policy. It's actually very interesting. It's got written up in the Chronicle of Higher Education. And, you know, it is something that we want to see how it works uh, because our main goal at the university is to minimize sexual violence and to provide the services and the support to the students who want, who, who, who have experienced sexual violence and want help, but not to force them into a particular direction. Good. So we've got one minute left. My last question. Sure. Um, you're a reader, a voracious reader. I've met you at Powell's just by chance. Um, you've read anything recently you'd like to recommend to yeah, our so viewers? Yeah, so there's a book that made my top four list. Uh, I had a, a four list of, of books in uh, a book called Evicted. Uh, so my area of scholarship is housing. Although I do quantitative housing analysis, this is more uh, in, uh, qualitative, so it's not work I would do, but it gives you such a rich feeling of the struggles that many Americans are experiencing in being able to afford housing and then being evicted from that housing, what happens. And, uh, you know, last night I took another look at the book and uh, I saw that, you know, I even agree with the policy recommendations, which in my list I indicated I might not. Uh, so all the better. Okay. Guy's a genius. Guy's a genius. Can you remember his name? 
Desmond, okay. Matthew Desmond. Matthew Desmond evicted. Mike Schill, thanks so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule Thank to you, speak Paul. with us again. Um, we'll, we'll look forward to next year. Thank you, I will too. <laughs> uh, I've been speaking with Mike Schill, president of the University of Oregon. Thanks for watching.